Welcome to Bite Size Therapy Podcast with Dr. Brian Rosino. Dr. Brian Rosino has over 20 years of experience as a talk therapist, and he uses short videos dealing with mental health issues in order to connect and educate hundreds of thousands of people. On this show, Dr. Rosino will make reference to his short clip videos and do his best to explain the mental issue reference and how it can be addressed. Dr. Rosino does not give medical advice, but hopes that he can help people understand what is going on mentally in order to go ask for clarification with their own personal mental health professional. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident, that's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. Everyone's entitled to their own facts. There's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. Yes. Quite the I'm dilemma. Sure. So, what'd you think, man? You know, it's one of those documentaries that I watched out of the corner of my eye a couple of years ago. Didn't give too much yeah. credence to it. And Me then- too. And then uh, you 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 brought it up, and I said, "All right, let me take another peek at it." I'm like, "Huh, very interesting, very interesting." Unprovoking, eh? You know, maybe to people that aren't familiar with newspapers. Um... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the AI that they talk. I mean, we're going to bounce around as usual. Uh, yeah. So we we are going to destroy. We are going to. Um, spoiler alert all over the place mm-hmm. but that's part of our deal you know we check something out and then you know we we, we talk we about, talk about it. it and if there's you know some clinical things that you can bring up because we don't give clinical advice here doc but we do mention some things and when you ask uh maybe you mm-hmm. when you say hey what do you know yeah, we mentioned some things that maybe you want to that are useful yeah so when you say why do you why do I bring up the newspapers, you know one of the things that they were talking about is, you know somebody has to decide the content that you're gonna want to know about, and you you have editors news editors to figure out what's news. But the difference mm-hmm. is in the newspapers you would there'd be this brick wall between. Advert, you know, the sales floor and then the news floor. And now there's no mm. wall in between. So it's kind of up for grabs. No. And I think that's what this social dilemma w- was all about. Because you know better than anybody, n- people like negative stuff. They say they don't, but they'll go to the negative stuff before the positive wow. stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it bleeds, it bleeds. Yeah. 
it's one of our one of the things that um there's so many things in this video that are packed into this video that um you know there could be there could be 20 videos on on you know if you broke out all the different topics and i actually i actually made a table that i'm gonna probably change in some ways but i'm gonna include it in my book and what i did was i side by side it took on one side what you have is teenagers and what they're developing skills and vulnerabilities so you know during the teenage period if you want to you know between 10 to 18 10 to 25 yep. these are the these are the areas that can be exploited or these are the areas that actually technology can prey upon so uh, number one i'm just going to go through delay of gratification teens are working on delaying their gratification so but but what technology promises is quick results create a sense of urgency in you you fear of missing out and, and what they're also really good at is they they've found a way to they talked about the they talked about the slot machine reinforcement system mm -hmm. uh, which is uh intermittent variable reinforcement so it's you don't know when it's going to happen and you don't know the size of the reinforcement, but you know that they do happen. And man, oh man, that is juicy. And and so teenagers love that, right? I mean, and we all love that actually. So in the table, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to talk about this applying to people's teenagers, but also it applies to us as adults as well. We have the same vulnerabilities, but in a, at a smaller scale. And what happens with, um, these designs is they do something else that's interesting. It seems like it's been borrowed from from sales and from, you know, like gambling and stuff like that. If you've ever been to a casino, if you want to get to the show, if you're going to the casino, but you're not going to gamble, you want to go to the show. What do you got to walk through first? Exactly. You got to You go through cigarette smoke. You go through the you go first thing slot machines. Second thing craps tables. And, you know, I mean, it's just you have to go buy all of that. Right. And they do the same thing in grocery stores. People go and they want milk. They want eggs. Where do they put the milk and the eggs? All the way in the back in the corner. Where do they put the candies and the little, you know, the little tabloids? Right at the cash register. <laughs> because they know that people, they're going to play on people's ability to delay their gratification or control their impulses. And that's exactly what teenagers are struggling with. And these these companies have sort of stumbled on or they've, they found it, whatever it is, it's, it's happening. I don't, you know, one of the things that was in the clear about the movie is that, you know, all these guys were previous, these, these were the designers, a lot of the designers of the technology. And it was like a Frankenstein. What did we do? What did we create and let loose into the world? Because it began to generate its own life, you know, see these, these consequences that they didn't anticipate the guy who wrote, created the like button. He's like, we wanted to introduce positivity into the world. Now it's become a self-esteem issue. If I didn't well, get enough likes, I'm a terrible person. He's like, this is not what we had in mind, right? Well, you, you brought up slot machines and uh, you got to throw out the, the dopamine, you know? Yeah. We're all hooked, man. We're all hooked. Not only are we hooked, we are. these guys that develop this stuff, they're hooked. They know what to do. Yeah. They wrote the code and they're they're still hooked, which is a scary thing. See, and that's what's that's the thing that that is a really excellent example of how it doesn't matter if you know you're still gonna get sucked in, right? And now it's a good good time to take a quick stop and not be too fatalistic about this. You, we can change, I believe. I mean, that's going to be the option. I think we can change. I think there's things we can do about this. But you are going to get hooked. You are going to get played to some extent. It's inevitable. You kind of have to just accept that. And that's why the next step, which is setting limitations and creating habits around technology use that gives you more empowerment, gives you more control. Right. Because if you don't, it will it will get to you. Um, there was a there was a quote that I found as I was looking around, you know, gathering some information here. And the, it was it's an anonymous quote, but it goes like this. It's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. Boy, ain't that the truth? When remember in the in, in the show, they, they they asked everybody, what's the problem? And they all like 
Yeah. That's like, I get, that's what, that's like what, when somebody asks me, like, what's the problem here? I'm just like, where do I start? Right. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a thing of spaghetti. It's all wrapped into it, you know, onto itself. And it's complicated. It's a complicated thing. But the biggest problem is it, one of the guys sort of summarized at the end is that we're being used and we're being used for somebody else's purposes. Our lives are being hijacked is, is the idea. Our lives are being, and, and it's, you know, it's the wording is a little bit extreme here, but I think, I think for good reason, our lives are being hijacked for somebody else's purposes, for somebody else's financial gain. It's so it's not even like, it's not even like a virtuous thing. Our lives are being hijacked so that we can, you know, we can put money in somebody's pockets, right? And if you think about that, that's... The advertisers yeah. are the customers, okay? Yes. And if the product you're using is free, you are the product. That's right. <laughs> and it's not that they're selling our data. They don't want to sell the data because that's that's valuable, but they want to sell maybe the prediction of your actions in the future, it's a, it's like a futures market market because if you're gonna take if you're gonna take money from advertisers, you're gonna have to get somebody to you know to click on whatever the advertisement is, and that's kind of what the game is. So you want to keep people on as long as possible. And I don't know, they had that uh, weird story of the guy from Mad Men in there being the uh, AI, uh, the the three people running the artificial intelligence. Yes, that's a dude from yes. Mad Men. I'm like. I can't believe this dude's in this. <laughs> really? He's got to, he's got to make his money. I think a lot of people found that, that, uh, that Trinity there. Uh, maybe the, I don't know if that was a, there was a That's reason for good three, word. but yeah, I mean, I think Trinity, I mean, you know, I don't know if there was a reason that they had three, but um, I think there were a number of people that seemed to have that, that kind of had issues with that. And for, what is it anthropomorphification or something said, or yeah. making the computer alive you know what was very interesting was the level of precision that was in their banter where they could sort of depending on somebody's behavior you know where they're located who's around them who has a similar uh behavioral history what are they doing and then how we can adjust our notifications based off of that, right? In the beginning, it, it started off with a dude that worked at Google. And he said, man, there's got to be yeah. some ethics involved because we are creating an addictive product. And he said, I believe he worked on Google Mail. And he said, how can we make it less addictive? <laughs> yeah. And then so he, he did the email and went around. And they said Larry Page uh, had three meetings over over the course of the day. Everybody's fired up. Then the next day, you know, crickets. The company's around to make a profit, and it's 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 a rough thing. Not only make a profit, but it's a, they look at it at short term because the earnings calls are every ninety days. So you know, what have you done for me lately? So there's a lot of pressure on everybody to to keep this stuff as uh, addictive as as possible. A lot of interesting cats in this thing. They had the uh, the data scientist, the dude with the dreads on there. I thought he 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 was a pretty uh, fascinating cat. I'm like, if you're a data scientist, just looking at the guy. Look. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's what it's it definitely. Uh, and and they said you look at you the know, guy and you're like you you look at the guy and you're like, if I had a picture of an eccentric eccentric genius in my yeah. mind before. This guy is now taking place of that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't smoke a cigar around the cat. And so, so what they say in the last, let's take 10 years, let's go back 10 years. And they said, you know, making money was a little bit easier because you're just selling software. Right. Yeah. Now, right. now we're selling users. And what are the mm -hmm. two types of businesses that have, uh, call their, uh, uh, Business partners, users. Yeah, their clients, users. Yeah, drugs. And <laughs> drugs and software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> users. Wow. You know, some of the things, so there's a couple of things that, well, there's a number of things this makes you think about, but um, one that I talk about a lot is the way that 
Um, it doesn't have a lot to do with our worldview. And I, I thought that, you know, the eccentric guy, I wish I could recall his name and, and pay him, you know, the respect, but I'm sure he has that already. Um, he, he talked about, you know, what if you, what if you clicked on a Wikipedia, you know, you were looking at something and Wikipedia came up to give you a definition of something and you clicked on it and it had a definition, but it was a definition that was highly personalized, leaving off other parts of, you know, the definition. Now there's other people in the world who get their own definition. So everybody's got their own specific definition that's not necessarily as much based in reality as it is based on what the computer thinks you want to hear, right? It's, the, it's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception that is the product. Changing what that's you right. do. That's what that's what the that's guy right. said. I'm sure his name's going to come up uh, late. There was so much. I got uh, 35 pages of notes here. I'm sure everybody wants to hear me reading off my note page. But the next time, <laughs> here, a quick bit of advice. One of the things that they said at the very end, if you if you don't watch anything, watch the very end when they're rolling the credits. They're they're all giving little bits, bits and advices, and, and we're going to jump around. That was good. Don't don't click on something that YouTube suggests to you. That's the beginning. Yeah. Again. That's the beginning. You're feeding it and, and designated times to check your phone. Um, and, you know, you know, just it's it's what we have. This technology is. I, mean, I always think about the fact that it, it is a gift. There are some incredible things that it can do for us and it has done for us. I mean, you know, the. the the younger generation is more in touch with what's going on in the world than I think any other generation in the history. But only because only because they have the information at their fingertips, you know, things that they know, they know way more um, than previous generations. Now, good and bad. Uh, but I think that there's part of what comes out of that is there's more uh, there is in, in, in many regards, and I know the movie talked about the opposite of this, but there is more acceptance of differences because they've been exposed to people from other parts of the planet that they wouldn't have been exposed to. And they're open, they're exposed to, to discussions or debates uh, that explore issues that, that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to before because their circle of friends or their communities, they don't, they don't talk about these things necessarily. And so those are incredible gifts what we have though is we have all this other crap that gets freighted along with it you know um and that's where the the you know they're sort of looking at you know the financial models you know the only the only models that drive this are to make money they're not you know it's making money so it's making money out of people's misery is basically the bottom line and they're saying well, what we have to is there a way that we can shift it so that they're making money out of pro-social things, making people happy and making life more enjoyable? Because right now, that's not what's happening. Uh, by and large, I mean, I think I think that you know, if you look at the statistics of suicide and depression and mental health and stuff like that and how it correlates, you know, they've got big problems. You know, looking at the financial incentives is. Uh, a big part of that and then you know like sort of how do you how do you regulate this which is also a really interesting problem that that people on the inside i think i think some of those guys had some ideas that like you know people like me would never have thought of like like only allowing access to a certain amount of data and then you have to pay heavy taxes if you want more than that and then you have to define what more is and you also have to be explicit about what you're going to do with that data and then do only that that those are things that like I never would have thought of. Like I don't even know what they're talking about in in specific terms, but it sounds like a. I mean, it makes sense, right? Well, there's a term called uh, "data is the new oil." So if you're gonna what whatever you're gonna feed your artificial intelligence with your machine learning, whatever goes in there, whatever the bits are, you, you pay a tax on it. That would that'd be uh, let the White House deal with that. Doc, the three simple rules. Skipping to the end. And you know you're you're the uh, clinician here. Three simple rules: all devices out of the bed bedroom at a fixed time of night. Number two: no social media till high school or the age of sixteen. Three: like you said, work out a time budget. 
And at the end, at the very end of it, it says, follow us on social media. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, good. So 16, <laughs> is that the magic uh, age? So, uh yeah, thanks for the loaded question. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good I think it's a good start, right? Like I think uh, I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about my own kids, um, and I was thinking sixteen sounds about right. The only thing that we always you, you always have to build into there is that there's so much in individual variability around a, a number like age, right? And and so you know some people are going to be. Like they're going to be better equipped at eight at sixteen. Some are going to be better equipped at fourteen and a half, just because there's a there's what we call these. They call them confidence intervals. They're they're like these intervals of of time where we're most confident that uh, something will happen. So ninety five percent sure that that like the person's ready. That would be an interval from like say fourteen to sixteen, right? Below that, no way. Or 16 to 18, right? So there's going to be people who aren't ready until they're 18, right? There's a lot of good data. I mean, and, and this gets really weird kind of fast. Good thing we're not right now talking about government uh, uh, enforcement. But you also have like uh, sex differences. So boys in many areas are going to mature later than girls. So it's like girls have, may have access to technology sooner than boys. If you, if you think about it in some ways, if you did it on a grand scale, but all that is to say that as a parent, you do have to 16 is a good, it's a good guide or guideline, but consider your kid and you know, your kid, well, there's, you know, they may still not be ready by 16 or they may be ready a little bit sooner. So, you know, you can, you can kind of, um, exercise your judgment. Well, you, does social media kind of screw up their their minds? I mean, we're talking about hormones, and they're going to kind of question what gender they are. I mean, if if you didn't have social media, would they be questioning things like they are today? Loaded question. It's it is a you know it is it's it. Is, I don't know that they would, you know, it's, it, it is an interesting question. I, I don't think they would. I, I think um, I don't, but here's the other thing. Um, what, what could be impl implied in the question is that it's bad. It's a bad thing that the questioning that they're doing. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's. No, it's not a bad or good. It's just with the question come up. To the listener, I, you know, I'm saying to the listener, yeah. I'm not okay, saying okay, you're saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying to, to the listener, you know, it could be like, you know, is this, uh, you know, is this why we're doing gender identity? And that's a big question. And and also, you know, there's also issues of freedom of speech and and use of language and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, I think that heavily that's that is heavily correlated with technology, the rise of technology and communication and being able to, you know, you can you can organize social movements, you can communicate quicker, you can get people kind of, you know, mobilized faster. One of the things that is a is an issue for teenagers is that their information processing uh, abilities are still, you know, really much under construction, and so their their tendency to overgeneralize, make uh, or make comparisons that are like, um, you know, flawed, you know, comparing apples and oranges in situations, uh, confusing causality uh, correlation with causality. So just because two, you know, two things are associated, rise and fall together, doesn't mean that they're causing that with each other. You know, um, but teenagers are much more likely to draw those linkages. I mean, in my own old stats class, the example that was given to to illuminate this is, you know, that during the summertime, ice cream sales skyrocket to their peak in July and homicides also skyrocket during the summertime and peak in July. So ice cream is causing, making people rabid murderers, right? I mean, that's, that's confusion of causation with correlation. The, the underlying third variable is the heat, right? People are, it's hot and people lose their tempers quicker and they do, they're irrational. And so they kill each other. They also those, like to eat ice cream. All those people that got interviewed, they don't let their kids go on social media. I don't blame them. You know, I think they, 
they've they've experienced firsthand, right? You know that what what uh, what the consequences can be, and they they um, they understand its power. Um, I I actually, you know, here's the thing: my kids are on technology, and they're talking about the reverberating effects. And I was sitting here; it's ironic because I was sitting here, and my daughter was texting me, "Can you call my friend's mom to set up a play date?" And my daughter's nine; she's upstairs. Yeah. She's on our bed. She's got her. Uh, her little device um and she's texting me instead of coming downstairs and talking to me but she's doing it like five six times she has no impulse control she has no idea i mean she's egocentric she she has no idea of the impact over here right, right. and i'm sitting here like having to deal with this now my other daughter wants to know where i ordered a birthday present for her Okay. And one of them was supposed to come yesterday. We don't have it. She wants me to check on it. Can you please check on it? And with technology, all you have to do is get on your phone. Right. <laughs> but it's like, I don't want to do that right now. So what happens is we start to, all this chaos gets created. You see all the chaos because I've got a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old who are not in control of their impulses they don't have a, a world perspective. They do, certainly don't have a, you know, the advanced, you know, the, the understanding of, you know, kind of like other people's perspectives um, that, that you and I might have. And so it just becomes a, <laughs> becomes a shit show. Yeah. You know? um, now, now you, now think about this as teenagers, you get these teenagers running around, looking at social media, firing each other up, you know, because they're falling prey to the same damn things. You know, oh, did you hear what Janie said? Did, 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 did. And they won't let, you know, in math class and gym, did, 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 won't let it go. And it's just, that's the that's the monster, I think, that they are referring to. That's the Frankenstein they're referring to that they didn't anticipate, right? When you have phenomena like that, where you got teenagers who are, who are talking each other into anorexic, you know, fasting, or, you know, um, unrealistic expectations for, you know, what they should be doing with their music career so far or whatever. All of these things start to happen in a way that gets very warped and distorted and messes with them. Well, Does that makes sense. Yeah, it may, totally makes sense. And, you know, in this documentary, they're trying to weave in a family and showing the effects of social media. And yes, the mom's yeah. trying to get everybody around a table for dinner and put the electronics away. Go over what was going on there. Yeah, yeah that was safe. interesting. Yeah, so she had like this uh, little safe that they were showing. Um, I think it was it was Shark Tank, an episode of Shark Tank or something. Yeah. They saw this little safe on. And you can put food in there. You know, if there's food that you don't trust yourself with, you put it in there, the safe locks it. You can't get into it for a certain period of time. It's like a little Tupperware thing, right? You yeah. can see into it. You can see what you're missing. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> why did you make it clear? Is it part of it? Like, do you want to like, I don't want to look at those cookies and know what I don't have. Anyway. Just a design suggestion yeah, there. Um, but but they but what the mom did was she said, you know, she had this idea. I'm gonna put everybody's phone in there and for dinner so that we could sit and talk. And uh what was funny is how everybody gave her the 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 hairy eye, you know, when she <laughs> when she did that. Even the, even the dad was like, Okay. It's like, come on, dad. Just so but what happened was the the 12 year old finally got up because the because the you could still hear the devices going off right and the 12 year old got up and she with the she took a you know she took a tool a wrench and she cracked it open and took her device and went upstairs um that's uh you know i don't think that's an over dramatic uh dramatization of of what's happening i do think that there, that um a number of similar instances are happening all over the world. Um, and I see it quite a bit in, in when people come into my office, kids are hiding their phones. Kids are um, getting duplicate phones. They're finding they, they, they're some kids are so masterful 
when their parents shut off the internet, they know how to get it. Um, they know how to hijack the lock that the parents, have, the electronic lock that they've put on to, on the internet, and they can get into it again. Kids have learned how to hack school internets so they can access videos and games that they wouldn't be able to access otherwise. So, you I mean, you see this stuff, you know, people will go to extremes and it can be very disruptive, you know, corrosive to the family um, if if they don't pay attention to the right things, I think, you know. Well, the other, let's see, the other thing in there, that was at the beginning, let's bounce to the end on a suggestion of what to do. Unless the notification is something that I can act on and I need immediately, turn off all uh -huh. notifications. That's, yeah. I mean, dude, I was looking at my email. And so that's a, it's a great, definitely do that. Also unsubscribe. Like I, I, I went into my emails. I've been going into my emails and I'm on an unsubscribe campaign because especially around the holidays, yeah. I get about 30 junk emails and then buried in there is like a really important one. And it's hard for me to see it because I got all this other shit I'm trying to sift through. Right. And so I'm trying to unsubscribe to these and, you know, not delete the one that's important and all that stuff, but it takes up all, it takes up my time now to do it because I automatically got subscribed at some place or the language was click this button. If you want us to send you things. And then some of them are click this button. If you don't want us to send you these things. So I might've mixed up which one it was and I clicked it and got, you know, I mean, it's just like, and then if you try to unsubscribe for some of them, you go to a website that doesn't unsubscribe you, but gives you a telephone number that you can helpfully call and talk to somebody. But you'll wait on hold and they'll let you know about new products and services while you're waiting. <laughs> it's, like, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> and then d delete the apps. Delete the apps. Yeah. Why do I have a hard time with that? I've still got Pokemon Go on my thing. Sometimes kids like to see the Pokemon Go. Yeah. I, I I don't know if you ever done that. Is that still Pokemon a thing? Go, but I it is it is a thing for some people. It's it's I don't think it's like the the I don't think it's dominating the world, but there's enough people still interested in it that they they keep doing it. Yeah. So I get these notifications, these bullshit notifications from you know your Pokeball. Uh, you know there's a there's a there's a battle happening at the gym local to you, right? And I have to turn this stuff off because I don't, I don't care, you know, but it's automatically when you get onto the thing, it's automatically going to send you notifications. You have to manually go in there and tell it not to. Now I'm going to run through some stuff here because we were talking earlier in the show, you know, social media, you know, kids, if you, if you let somebody under 16, look at it, they were talking about the preteen suicide has, has gone up. And, and all the yeah. issues, uh, a lot of stuff yes. since 2010 or so. It does coincide. Um, Jean Twenge, Twenge, she's in at the uh, University of California, I think Santa Barbara. She's she did she's done a lot of research into this and social media and the impact on teens and what it means. And um, she definitely draws that line too, um, in terms of the connection between technology and social media and then also a number of mental health issues that are coming up at for for teenagers so what is this suggestion that you have for moms and dads each kid is unique i get it and we're not giving any advice but people want to know what is there a rule of thumb how much phone time versus ipad yeah. so, so screen time jonathan hate uh the social psychologist that was talking on there he said um just ask your kids what they think is a reasonable amount of time to see what they say. Right. And he said, you might be surprised because a lot of time they come up, they do actually come back with something that's like pretty reasonable. Right. And if you can get them to name something like that, that actually gives them more buy-in. Right. If you think about it, you know, them being in control of sort of naming how much time gives them more buy-in. Now, if they say six hours or something unreasonable, you might be, you know, that still gives you, a starting point, right? Yeah. So I do think talking point. with them about it. 
Yeah, talking them with with them about it. That fake family that was in there, I think one of the things that came up, they said, "Hey, how much?" Wait, that family was fake. (laughs) That family was fake. (laughs) It was a fake. (laughs) You mean that wasn't a family that was demographically designed to appeal to multiple? That was a Netflix family. (laughs) That was a Netflix family. That was a Netflix family for sure. They checked all the boxes. But mixed you know, race, gender. <laughs> right, right. And they were asking, hey, how much time do you think you spend? And then they went back and looked at the actual screen yes. time and they were just a tad off. Do you remember? That's a great question, too. Yeah. I think that that's a great question, too, because um, it, it helps the team to realize something that, that we all have issues with is we're not always aware of how much time we're doing, spending on something, especially something that is as uh, stimulating and engaging as technology. It's easy for us to lose track of time, but you also have the developmental issue of kids, you know, their prefrontal cortex, that's the, that's the timekeeper part of their brain is still forming and they don't have really accurate conceptions of time, you know, like, like they will. Um, and so it's easy for them to believe, you know, I was only the, on there for an hour and, and the reality is it was two and a half hours, right? So, you know, showing them that data in a, in a way that's non-judgmental, just like, this is why I'm concerned. This is, I mean, there's, there's a reality to this. It's not that I'm just pulling out an arbitrary number. Um, it's based on like facts and what we think is best for our family, right? So that's... Definitely. It might have been Pew Research that did this, but uh, there's been a couple of other places, too, where they they got the opinions of teenagers on on use of technology and subjective experiences of it. 80 to 90 percent of these samples, and this is like a pretty solid number, pretty stable number, you know, 85, 90 percent of the sample was very clear that they did experience they felt they felt bad after a certain point in time, but they kept using anyway, right? Even though they they, they knew they were feeling kind of worse and worse and it just wasn't doing anything, but they kept using it and they were aware of that, but they just kind of couldn't stop themselves, right? So they're aware of that. And they're also aware that they, you know, they say, I'm addicted to my phone. But behind that, there's like a real feeling of, I think I've got a problem. I don't know what to do here, right? So there's this awareness my advice to parents is look your teen is probably already aware of this right so you just need to speak to it right and you need to talk to them with this idea that you know they are they you know the better side of themselves knows this is going to be better for them it's going to be good for them and they're going to feel better during day to day so it's really going to be a helpful thing uh versus something where we're just trying to control you and, and limit, you know, your opportunities. Well, I believe they call it social media drug that uses your own psychology against you. <laughs> then it goes into the bicycle theory principle yeah. where you had a, a tool-based versus uh, an addiction manipulation-based model of product, yeah. which is, you know, a bicycle... Uh, you're taking all this data and input to keep yourself down the straight and narrow versus all this data and input that's coming in to figure out how to get you addicted. When is the government how to get you to, how to get you to how to, how to get you to you know buy whatever it is they're selling, right? How to get you to give me your money is kind of weird. There's this really famous study that occurred in 1999. It was called Gorillas in Our Midst. It's a play on the um gorillas in our in the mist yeah uh, jane goodall i think and uh these uh these guys let me get their names because i i can uh cook and uh someone else but these guys these these researchers took a look at what's something called inattentional blindness so basically it's um uh daniel simons and christopher chabris chabris i think i'm gonna probably butcher that but they took a look at something called inattentional blindness. That is things that we don't pay attention to. We we don't see, and therefore it's like they're not there. We're blind to them, right? Um, and there's different forms of kind of like 
you know, this blindness. One is inattentional blindness. And they really, really uh, took a, a, a unique approach to this and the impact of it. What they did was they took university students. They had them watch a video. And it was students that were passing a basketball back, back and forth, back and forth. It was like it was five in white shirts, five in black shirts. And you're supposed to count the number of passes that occur white to black, black to white. Okay. Um, and then like not count the ones that are to the same color, something like that. But it was something to make them really focus on counting the passes. Right. And then during the middle of the video, what would happen is this guy in a gorilla suit would come in and do a little dance in the middle. And then he would walk off. Half of the people that did that didn't see the gorilla. And when they were told that there was a gorilla that walked on the screen, they were like, shut up liar they thought that they thought they were being manipulated with that right so then they took them back and they showed them the video and they said and the people couldn't believe that they didn't see that right that's because what they did was they primed them they they made it so that they had this really um incentivized task which is to pay attention to something specific which would make them not pay attention to the other thing and that's what happens online right we have these, and why we call these information silos. We pay attention to certain things when we don't pay attention to at the expense of others. So what happens is we believe that our reality is what we paid attention to, not what we paid attention to plus all the other stuff, right? And so we we have a, a we have a way a reality that is being fed to us, right? Um, that's less of our own kind of, you know, us trying to um, gather information independently as much as it's being wasted on us. Um, and then it's a question of like, well, what, you know, what's behind the reality that they're showing us that benefits them, right? Who gets benefited? Well, they use the analogy of a magician, right? That's so, right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so magicians draw upon. Um, cognitive imperfections or mental imperfections that, that we all experience, which is, you know, going to lead to illusions and sleight of hand. And, and that's exactly what happens on social media. You see it in the media all the time. I mean, you, you know, and that's why one of the things I talk about is I talk about sales techniques um, that people uh, use because these also draw on cognitive imperfections or mental imperfections, right? We are likely to respond much more strongly, for example, to the proposition that we're going to lose money versus make money, right? So in 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 just about any cognitive task, when you <clears throat> give somebody the incentive to behave in a way to prevent losses there versus take a risk that means gains, they're going to take the step to prevent the losses, right? That's in our nature. And so what, what advertisers know is, okay, fear model. That's what works. Fear model, pain points, creating pain points, and needs that help them get around these things, right? That's our model. Fear of loss is <laughs> greater like, than desire for, for gains. Netflix. What's that? Fear of loss is greater than yes. desire for gains. And That's right. Self-preservation. And, and that's been advertising 101 for <laughs> fear sells. So, fear so you as a parent, sells, right? Well, I think where it comes out to is like, I think parents can't rely on Google. Parents can't rely on Facebook. Parents have to rely on themselves to to deal with this. I mean, they have to take a leadership role and can't rely on somebody else, it would be nice, but it's like you said, all right, there's a certain time that we're going to, we're going to use the screens. There's a certain time that we're not. And, and, and that's that. So you turn 16 and the grades are there, whatever the bars are, the goals and the communications. And this has been going on forever. Hasn't it, uh, Dr. Raz? Which part? Manipulation? Well, instead of the, Let's just take away the phones and let's go back to manipulation with the uh, teen magazines. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
fashion. So, so, so there's nothing new under the sun as far as like, yeah, some of that stuff. I think the thing that's new is the, the, they're much more sophisticated and sneaky now. And they're, they're, they're able to do it in ways that get past conscious detection much more stealthily than ever before. Right. And it's combined with um, hijacking our nervous system, like dopamine, right. That to actually like spur us into action. Um, And they, they're able to do that in ways that like a magazine never could. Right. Um, Yeah. Well, the occurrences go up. I mean, you go to the newsstand, that's, you know, once a week, right. Versus once a minute. So you yes. hit, 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 hit. Yes. That's the difference yes. now. But, but, but it's the same the access is happening more often. Yeah. Yeah, you always have access to it, right? And because you always have access to it, everybody else always has access to it, access to it, which also means that they have access to you almost all the time too, right? So if you ever try to get away from your text messages or your email, I mean, I, I really took to heart i either read this or it was in the movie i can't remember if you you, tell me if you heard this but it's implied now that if somebody texts you you have to text them back you have to respond right and it's like now as i say that people are like probably listening saying yeah of course you do but if you think about it why like just because you can get a hold of me at any time doesn't mean that I have to be obligated to that, right? I mean, I deal with this with parents. I tell parents, email. Email, I'm going to use for only a couple of things. I do not discuss clinical information. I set appointments and I cancel appointments and I will. I might send you a form or something like that, right? That's what I use email for. It's not, I don't communicate because, you know, and, and but I still get people who will email me they, they're up with their anxiety at 1 a.m. and they have to get it off their chest and they send it to me because once they've done that, they can now sleep. And now I've got it. <laughs> and now, now I have to do something with that, right? And my answer is no, I don't. Well, like I tell my sister, bill for it. For it, yeah. An email is an this hour. Email. Or 50 Well, that's the hour. other thing, man. That's the other thing. So... Uh, I talk about this too. It's like teenagers are not really good. Well, human beings in general, we're not really good at predicting what we're getting ourselves into. And so you see some people are a little bit more socially responsible online. Like, you know, they'll post on an article. This is a five minute read. I don't know where that's based on. I've never found it to be accurate, but at least it's helpful. Right. It's a five minute read. So you know what you're getting yourself into. If you're going to read this article, make sure you got five minutes, okay? Don't try to read it while you're, you know, that's helpful. I get people sending emails and I'm reading them and I'm like, shit, how long is this freaking thing, right? This is like three pages. I'm not going to sp- I'm not gonna spend 20 minutes of my life reading this thing that you just dropped on my lap that I didn't ask for, right? So it's, it's, it's a subtle imperceptible change in behaviors right that's gradual i mean like that you know and it's like you know there there are emails that i will skim and i i just won't read them all i think it's you know but like you said i think if i'm going to do that i'm going to build i'm going to build you because you can't just assume that you can like now you can circumvent the system and just go to the back door and try to clinically dump all this information on me without, and and like you're gonna get that for free or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you know how much I'm gonna start resenting you? Yeah. You know yeah. how much I'm gonna start disliking you? Like that's not good for our relationship at all. Please no. don't do that. Right. And then what the scariest part of this documentary, and I'll sum it up here, Doc, is even if you you can change opinions or behaviors by one percent. You know, all the conspiracy theorists on the elections. I mean, there's been political advertising forever. It's just been the occurrences of it have happened so many times in a confined amount of time that it does make a a titanic shift. So 1% multiplied by 2.8 billion or whatever number it was. That's pretty freaking big. You know, that's That's a a little bit like. 
It's like office space. Remember office space? It makes me think of this. Remember the scam they had? We take one quarter of a cent out of the transaction and we save that in a different account. Now multiplied by the number of transactions, I've got $300,000 in my account. You know I mean? It's like that accrues. But these are things that we're not good. Our human brains, are, our brains are not, we're not evolved to be able to process this information or think in these terms on a moment to moment basis. And that's what makes us so vulnerable. So, I mean, the good thing is we have the brains to be able to identify what some of these problems are and we can kind of back up and say, hey, do we? what are we doing here? Which is what we have to do with any kind of invention or revolution. I mean, you see this in genetics, right? You see this in embryo research. You see this in other areas where we're pushing the boundaries. We're continually pushing the boundaries and it opens up ethical dilemmas, right? And so the argument is, you know, do we stop moving forward? Of course we don't stop moving forward, but we, we have to be intentional about how we move forward. Well, they said that things will change for the better. It's just going to take a long time. Yeah. I wasn't too encouraged. Yeah. I'm older. (laughs) Well, one of the the great, uh, I I, I think of, I was thinking of another term, the banality of evil. That was a term that was, uh, uh, somebody was talking about uh, concentration camps, the banality of evil. And I thought about that and I thought about human complacency, you know, and that is, that is a good, that is like a good example to me of the banality of evil. It's nothing, there's no mustache twisting. There's no evil kind of, you know, for $1 million. No, it's, do I want to make that phone call to have to like now unsubscribe? That's going to take time. We don't want to do these things. We don't want to change. When we get into a way of behaving that we start to get comfortable with, we don't want to change it. We resist it. Now, make changing that difficult. And now it's even more. Di- I mean, now the ch- chances of it ever changing drop dramatically. So the 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 switching frailty costs. here. What's that? Uh, switching costs. Switching costs. You yes. Go from one vendor to another or one situation to another. It's just what is it going to cost me to switch? Is it worth the hassle to unsubscribe? Think about what we put up with in our lives, right? We put up with a ton of shit, you know, just because we we don't want to, we're complacent. And that's that's one of the big, big, I think that's one of the big battles that we're up against. Dr. Raz, Netflix comes through again. Oh, it sure does. Wow. <laughs> we're the content creators of the content creators. We're the content creators of the content creators. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're watching. We're the watchdogs. <laughs> Dr. Raz. Any final any final thoughts? Happy Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> Merry Christmas and goodwill to all men. And women. And, and, and in between. Goodwill to all people. All people. Dr. Raz. There you go. Great job, buddy. Smell you. Thanks, man.